<laughs> For the last few weeks here at Providence, we've been celebrating uh, who God is, what God is up to, uh, our 15-year anniversary, but mostly just uh, that. God's people lost sons and daughters coming home, which is all of us. God gave us a vision a long time ago here at Providence to see people who feel disconnected from God and the church find hope, healing, and wholeness in Jesus Christ. So I'm so thankful that you're here today. Uh, I have a, a message that is so important that I've brought the whiteboard out, <laughs> which I know is, I know is ridiculous, um, but, but I wanted to do it. And I'm just really glad that you're here. So welcome. My name's Jacob. Welcome online uh, worshipers and a special welcome to you if you're here for the first time. We're glad that you're here. Today what I want to talk to you about is that your purpose is partnership. And some of you got a little piece of paper on the way in. There'll be some things that we refer to there, but it'll all be up here on this amazing uh, whiteboard as we go through it. So I've told you guys before that every Sunday morning, my wife, Rachel, prays for me. It's one of the most, uh, I don't know, in everybody's life, there are different holy rhythms and patterns that keep you grounded. And one of those for me, uh, ever since we started Providence 15 years ago, before I leave the house, um, which uh, is, you know, usually before dark, I will get down on my knees, take Rachel's hand, and she'll pray over me before I come here. Uh, and my wife, Rachel, prays long prayers. That's the kind, that's the kind of prayer she prays. Um, like if, we go out, like if we go out to lunch, one of the kids will be like, I'll pray. You know, that, that's kind of prayer. Like if she's praying, it's serious. And so you should know if you've come here, it's really cool, I think. Uh, you've been prayed over for sure. Uh, she prays over the kids' wing, hospitality, the parking lot, for what will take place in here, uh, the donut order. Uh, she, gets it, she, gets it, she gets it all. And a few weeks ago, she was praying over me, and she said this line, um, as she said, God, thank you for letting Jacob and I partner with you in this work. It, it's not that significant of a line, but it really stuck with me. I guess I'd never really thought about being a partner with God to do God's work. I hadn't thought about it in that way. Uh, I definitely thought about us partnering together, right? Like we're partners and we're doing God's work. Like scriptures like this in Philippians chapter one, uh, where it says, uh, I always, do we have that? Uh, Okay, I saw myself. I was like, who is that? And then I thought, I thought, oh, I should have combed my hair better. Because uh, you don't usually see the back of your head. I always pray. So the scripture says, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And so clearly Paul's talking about that. He's partnered, we're partnered together in doing God's work. Pretty cool. But there's some other verses that are like this. This next one says, for we are co-workers uh, the word also sometimes is translated co-laborers in God's service. And it says, you're God's field, God's building. Sort of an odd verse. So let, let's just look at it for a second. Uh, actually, uh, with Pastor Mark's help some this week, we looked at that word co-workers because we thought th that it did mean more than just us partnering together. And indeed it does. What it's really saying is that we are co-workers with God. That we're co-laborers. And what we do here is not just us working together for God, but actually joining God in what God is doing, which is all throughout the Bible. In the story of creation, what's really given to us, God says, here's this beautiful creation and I entrust it to you 
for you to work it and protect it and do those things. God's inviting us to be co-workers in this beautiful thing that he has made. And so today what we're gonna talk about as we sort of wrap up a month of celebrating God's work here and looking forward to the future, like what does God really wanna do with a place like this and a people like us where amazing things are happening and people are being called to God? I actually think that our purpose together is partnership. And I think that, I hope that's a bit exciting to you because no matter what's going on in your life, and I know all kinds of things are coming in, like you're, you might be coming in like, I don't need to know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I just needed to be here for a moment and that's totally good. But it's actually in finding your purpose in partnering with God where all the other things fall in place. Meaning you can be going through a sickness right now. You can be going through a divorce right now. You can be going through this thing with your kid that is, is consuming you in every way. The hard things in life that all of us are facing. And your purpose with God is what will keep you connected to him and to each other in a way that you find meaning and hope uh, and power. So I thought of these uh, sort of three words that I think go with any conversation on purpose. And they are this. The first one is authority. And if you like to fill in blanks, they're on that little uh, sheet of paper and you can fill them in. There's three words I want us to start with. Uh, Authority. The second one is action. And then the third is assurance. Other than all starting with the letter A, uh, these words uh, have something to say to us about purpose. Any purpose that you have in life, you will need some authority to do it. You'll need power to be able to do what you're supposed to do. Uh, You'll also, this is what we usually think about purpose, like what am I supposed to do? What's the plan? What's the action? And this one, maybe not as much, but I'm gonna talk about it some, is to any purpose in life, there has to be a promise. There has to be an assurance that this is what you're supposed to be doing. And we're gonna talk about it today as if it is a house or a church building. You heard in that verse from 1 Corinthians that God says, you're my building. So he's given us a metaphor, an image, and we're gonna use that a little bit to think about how it could impact our lives. This house is much better than the first service house, by the way. When we talk about in the church who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be doing as followers of Christ, you'll oftentimes hear the word disciple. Have you heard that word before? Disciple. So in the Bible, there were 12 disciples that are mentioned first, but really there's a number of disciples, people that follow Jesus, people that are connected with him. And initially, that's just sort of what it means, somebody that comes alongside Jesus, somebody that follows him. But, but really at the root of the word is, a, is an understanding that we are training under Jesus, to be a disciple. So a definition of a disciple would be one who engages in learning through instruction from another. But the best way I know to describe it, a word we don't use that much is you are an apprentice. An apprentice is somebody who studies under and trains under and oftentimes like lives with and follows closely the person that they're wanting to emulate. So we're disciples of Jesus. And you might think, I've never thought of myself as a disciple. Uh, I'm not a disciple and all that. I'm not trying to put that term on you. But the first disciples, they didn't have it down as much as you would think. Really, those first disciples, all they were were people whose hearts and lives were open to the training of Jesus. So they joined Jesus and walked with him for years before they were accomplishing anything or acting for him in the way that we might think. So maybe more of us today could open up our hearts to thinking, maybe I could be a disciple. My heart and my life is open to Jesus. That's what I've been seeing here. More and more people whose hearts and lives 
are open to him. And to really understand what it means to be a disciple, you have to hear the story of Jesus Christ's resurrection. Something we usually talk about on Easter. But the reason it's so important is because the disciples, they were called that before the resurrection, but after the resurrection, they are given their purpose as disciples. So we're gonna look at that today in Matthew 28. First, the story of the resurrection. It says this, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary who were disciples of Jesus went to look at the tomb. So Jesus is dead and they're just going to his tomb after the Sabbath at dawn. And then it says, there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. Angel moved stone sitting on top of it. Next verse says, his appearance, the angel was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Mary and Mary, do not be afraid. For I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, who was dead. But he says, he's not here. He has risen, just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. So they go and look at the place where Jesus' dead body was. And then he tells them, then go quickly and tell his, listen to it, disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. You will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. You're gonna hear the word disciple a lot this morning, okay? Suddenly Jesus met them. So Jesus then meets the two women. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet. They're holding on to him, right? Holding on to him and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Anyone wanna guess what the disciples do when the two women come and tell them that Jesus is alive and he has said that they are supposed to walk to Galilee, which is a 120-mile walk from where they are in Jerusalem. Anyone would guess what they do? They go to Galilee. Why? Because they have it all down? Because they're perfectly trained? No way. Because they've given their lives to saying, I live under the authority of this Jesus. And now even if just my friends are telling me that he says to walk 120 miles, even though I saw him dead, I'm going to where he said I'm supposed to go. You see, disciples, whether they have it all down or not, one key mark of a disciple is they keep being a disciple no matter what the circumstances are. (laughs) Their whole lives have just been wrecked. They'd given their lives to following one person, one Lord, one master, and he was killed on a tree in their capital city. And now they're walking around afraid, uncertain of their future, but they're still disciples. Disciples keep being disciples. That's my greatest learning from the last three years. You know, all kinds of stuff have happened. We had the, uh, you know, uh, COVID pandemic and things got moved around and everybody was mad at each other and all that kind of stuff. Anybody remember? We put it out of our memory. Okay, good. Uh, Here's what I learned. When our church went from having 2,000 people meeting in here on a Sunday to zero, here's what I learned. Disciples keep being disciples. People who follow Jesus, follow Jesus. People who have been in the water and said he's Lord and Savior, continue to worship him as Lord and Savior. So when our church went into the pandemic, this is kind of crazy statistics, but it only happens with Jesus, is our giving financially went up because the disciples sacrificed more. Uh, We had more people studying the Bible. We had more people praying. Our outreach to the community (laughs) went up as these last three years have gone along. And so what we have seen is, I'm not saying that for everybody, but disciples keep being disciples no matter what the circumstances. Have I made my point? 
Okay. So here's what happens next in the story. It says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. There were 12, one betrayed him. Now there's 11 and they go where Jesus said. And when they saw him, just like the women did, they worshiped him. It says, but some doubted. Well, I thought these guys, uh, they're in training, right? They're in training. They don't have it all figured out. So they're still like, I'm still not so sure what's going on. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's a very, very famous speech of Jesus. It has been given the name, the Great Commission. If you're taking notes, you might even wanna write that line. It's the Great Commission is the description of Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Because Jesus is commissioning the ragtag group of disciples, the ones who are still left. He's giving them their lifelong purpose and in so doing, giving all those who will follow Jesus after him their lifelong purpose. And that purpose is to partner with him to get the message of the good news of Jesus to every corner of the earth, to every nation, to the very end of the age. It's a big mission. And I think that purpose has these three components. You need some authority, some power to do what you're gonna do. You have to know what you're gonna do, what the plan is, and you ultimately will need a promise to carry it out. That's how Jesus lays out the Great Commission. First, with a word about authority. He says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Not me, Jacob, me as if I was Jesus, okay? So the way that Jesus says we'll have power is by telling us that he has power. Let me say that again. The way that Jesus shares with us that we will have power is by saying that he has power. What power does Jesus have? He's standing on the top of a mountain in Galilee, moments after busting out of his grave, a day or so after going down to the pit of hell, taking the keys of hell, kicking the devil's hiney, the day before that he conquered sin and death on the cross, he has all authority in heaven and on earth resting on his shoulders. And so he says, guys, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It's mine. Some of you that know the story, it goes on that Jesus actually pours out his power on the disciples, right? We love that part. But it's important that it starts with him saying, the power, the resurrection power has been given to me. This is the foundation of the house God is building. You might wanna write uh, resurrection down underneath it because the authority that we have through Jesus is the resurrection. It is the power to do it, okay? It's the power you need to do it. And that is the foundation. If you're a Christian and you're living without the authority of Jesus, then you will not be able to, you will not be able to live into your purpose. So <clears throat> Jesus saying all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me is begging for a therefore uh, in, uh, in literary terms. So he said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. You're like, okay, what do we do next? He says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. So uh, there is an action word, which is what we've been wanting. You know, this is the action that we have. And Jesus is giving what we would call the plan. You know, if you're like, what is the, what's the plan for the purpose? The plan is one word, go. What does Jesus call his disciples to do? Go. The plan, what's the plan? 
go. Jesus Christ Church is a church of go. Jesus' disciples are people who go. If you ever come upon a group of Christians who have no go, they are not living into their purpose. If you ever come upon a group of Christians that are all show and no go, keep moving. Because the mission of the disciples is to do something, it is to go. Jesus is standing on a mountain with the 11 who made it. The 11 who kept on being disciples. And he says, I'm alive, I beat death, I laid in the tomb, but not for too long. I have the keys to heaven and hell. I have all authority for life, therefore go. If Jesus was you know, Southern in that moment, he would have said, get up on out of here. <laughs> Which is astounding because if I had been one of the disciples and I had saw him die, and then I'd had a couple of my friends tell me he's alive, he wants to meet you in Galilee. And he says he wants to meet us at the mountain where he used to do the stuff. And I was walking to Galilee. I would have had this on mind. I would have been singing a song like, we're going to Galilee, Jesus kicked the devil's butt. You know, all this kind of stuff, right? Because I would have been thinking, this is the moment I've been waiting for. Jesus is gonna sit on his throne in Israel as the king of kings. If he has a throne, I'm guessing we get palaces. And Peter and James and John, you can only imagine them probably talking about who, what their palace will look like and how it's all gonna be laid out. And when they get there, Jesus says, good to see you, fellas, go. Jesus says, all authority's been given to me, now get up on out of here. And he's commissioning all future disciples of his. Anybody else that wants to train under him will have to hear the word, go, and believe it. I watched some football yesterday, anybody else? A little bit of football, like, all day. Um, I was wondering, you know, I was thinking about this message. I was wondering, like, if the quarterback went up to the line ever and, you know, he's about to, you know, uh, say hut or whatever, if he, if he would have looked to all the guys and just said, all right, you guys f figure out what you're gonna do next. Or uh, no real plan here, guys. Hut, right? No way, right? The whole thing's set up. They've spent all week talking about the plan, the plan for this situation and that situation. They just come out of the huddle where he said, here's the play that we're running, blue 80, you know, Omaha, whatever, you know? And then when he comes to the line, he says it again, all the, cool, all the cues, all the clues, so they'll know exactly what to do. Each guy moving in step with exactly what their coach had told them to do that week. And they're trying to remember, and guess what? They get it wrong all the time, right? But the instruction is clear. A military officer, if you're going into battle, will have clear tactics for each regiment of what they're supposed to do and where they're supposed to go, and everybody will know it when he says go. If you're a boss, let me give you, let me give you a clue of what your employees want to know. They want to have clear expectations of what they're supposed to do next. They want to know the plan. And Jesus gives very clearly the plan to his disciples. This is why it's such a remarkable scripture. That's why it's given such this awesome name, the Great Commission. Jesus says, all right, you wanna know what it is? Disciples, disciples, you wanna know what you're supposed to do? Hey, disciples, you wanna know what the next thing to do is? Make more disciples. That's your mission. That's your purpose. Your purpose is partnering with God to do what he intends to do on this earth, and he's inviting us into it. You disciples, go make disciples. And they're like, whoa, 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 we're in training. He's like, exactly, that's what I'm saying. Those of you in training, train others. I'm still an apprentice, that's cool. You're an apprentice, get an apprentice. Right? He says, disciples make disciples. 
And, and then he makes it so big, he says, and I want you to do it to the very edges of the globe. That's how far I want you to go. That simple line. You know, I know th this probably won't necessarily apply to maybe anybody in this room, but it's still important to know. That simple line, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, has led for the last 2,000 years men and women to go to every corner of the earth and lose their lives. Why? Because it's their purpose in their life. Their purpose in their life is not to stay alive. Their purpose in their life is not to stay safe. Their purpose in their life is not to stay home. Their purpose in their life is to go. And he tells us how we go, right? He gives these, these two words of how we're gonna go. He says, go, baptize. There's only two things he says to do. Go baptize and go teach. How are we gonna make disciples? Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. This baptism you've seen, like we love, we love baptisms. You watch the video. It's where the church kind of gets its aim of what it's supposed to do. That's the heartbeat of Providence Church if you've been here to see disconnected people come to go into the water. But it's not just like to encourage them or get them out of a difficult situation. It's the, water, the whole water thing, what we're seeing there is the going under the water. Even for James uh, Whalen today, you know, the, the water is this way of saying this person is now under the authority of Jesus. The lordship is represented with water on the head. And so the heartbeat, not just the heartbeat of the church, but now the heartbeat of disciples is I want more lost sons and daughters to come home and to be baptized. And then the second prong of that is to teach them. Jesus says that the baptized ones should be taught to obey everything that I've commanded. Not just to get head knowledge, uh, not just to have an awesome experience in baptism. Um, I don't mean this to sound wrong, uh, to sound, um, I don't know, I don't know how it sounds. When I said it at the first service, everybody's like, oh gosh. Um, Jesus is not just your buddy, okay? He's your Lord. And I mean, he's my best friend, my closest companion in life. But Jesus is not like uh, just your buddy you hang out with. He's saying, I want you to go teach people to obey everything that I've commanded to do. That's different than just a buddy. That's a different relationship. It's more like us saying, I'm coming under him to learn from him, to train under him, and to fulfill his purpose. But if you've ever wondered what Jesus commanded, he says to command what Jesus, uh, to, to obey what Jesus commanded, Jesus commands us to love. He says, here's the new command I'm giving you guys, love. Following Jesus, having him as your Lord is coming under a intense training in the in love. The longer you apprentice under Jesus, the more you're transformed into love. Remember the lost son story that we looked at a couple of weeks ago? Uh, maybe you haven't heard it, but it's a beautiful picture of a son coming home. So this lost son who'd done all this dumb stuff and squandered everything, when he comes home, his dad throws a party. That's baptism, right? That's baptism for sure. It's like, yes, we're celebrating. He's come home, you know. But there's also this older son, the older son who didn't squander his father's inheritance. And he's mad because that one is being celebrated. Remember the father goes out to the old son. He puts his arm around him. You know what he's doing there? He's teaching the heart of the old son. He's teaching his heart. What is he teaching him to do? To love. He's tenderizing his heart to say, I get it, man. I get it. You've done everything. He's like, everything I have is yours. He says, but your brother was dead. Now he's alive. And your brother was lost. And now he's come home. And so he's teaching his heart. He's teaching his heart 
to know more about the love of the Father. You know, if a church gets one of these things down really good, baptizing or teaching, it's a great church. Church is hard. You know, I don't know if they'll ever get it down <laughs> perfectly. So if you find one that's like, they're just baptizing the heck out of people, literally. You know, if they're just baptizing people over and over and over, uh, I'd be like, that's a great place. That's an awesome place to celebrate lost sons and daughters coming home. Or if you found a church that's like just really good at teaching, really good at training, like try to imagine it. Like the pastor uses a whiteboard. You know, it's really amazing kind of place, right? <laughs> Like, just imagine if you found a place like that. I'd be like, man, I celebrate that. In this world, where all kinds of crud's being taught and all kinds of stuff's being sold. And, and so, man, what a great place if you could be under just good teaching. But there's this thing that happens in the church when those things are both happening, when a bunch of lost sons and daughters are coming home and going under the water. And at the same place, they're trying to teach about the heart of Jesus, the love of the Father, that we would follow and obey the commands of Jesus, that he's our Lord. We do what he says over what everything and everybody else says. That would be an amazing place. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to say that we're that place. But what I am saying is I know that God is calling Providence Church to be a great commission church. I know that that's our aim, that he's given us a clear mission. And the mission is to go ye therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. Because we know, right guys, we know who holds the authority, it's Jesus. This is a Jesus place, this is a Jesus church, make no mistake, there's no other allegiance to which we are bound to, to which we've gone under the water to, than the authority of Jesus of Nazareth who rose from the grave, went 120 miles to Galilee and spoke to his disciples. We are in their lineage. We are still training. We are still apprentices. And he's told us to go. And I wanna, I wanna you know, to the day I die on this earth, be a place where we're seeing the go happen here. But that's not all. Jesus gives a promise in the commission. It's often overlooked, often cut off. Most people don't talk about it, but Jesus did. He closed it out by saying, surely, and surely, surely, surely. So he's wanting to make sure we don't forget. Surely I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. And so Jesus gives a promise. He gives the promise to protect you. Nobody wants a purpose without a promise. And why, it's the roof of the building, right? It's the roof of the, of the house God is building, the promise to protect you. Why is that important? I don't wanna mince words. The purpose, the mission that Jesus has given us is dangerous. But it is not dangerous if you understand that Jesus is gonna be with us everywhere we go. There are people today who are giving their lives because they believe this is what God has called them to do. And so, it leads people to lose their lives. But Jesus said, all of us will lose our lives to find it. Probably, I hope, no one in this room has to lose their lives for their faith. But there is the sense that you will lose your life for your faith so that you will find it in this world. And so I just wanted to ask today, who wants to be a disciple who makes disciples, right? Who wants to be a disciple who makes disciples? That is the partnership that Jesus is calling to. And I believe the future of our church. Let us pray. Faithful, loving Jesus, thank you for teaching us. Thank you for calling us to obey you. We want to. It is our desire. 
And we also admit that we know we're still in training, that we fall short, that we've fallen short already today. There's been places where we didn't fully trust already. And so we come to you, God, and say, our only hope is following after Jesus wherever he goes. Give to this church, I pray, a firm commitment to the great commission of Jesus Christ to make disciples who make disciples. As we come to the table of communion, let it be for us a feast, a party, where we remember and celebrate who Jesus is. His body broken for us, his blood shed for us on the cross. All the authority in heaven on earth has been given to him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.